Man, all this talk about Sonic Adventure 2 has got me tired. Yeah. What's, like, going on otherwise? Wait, are there things happening in the world of Sonic the Hedgehog? We should, like, talk about them. All of them. Welcome back to another fun-filled edition of your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, your favorite podcast, Let's Talk About Sonic, where we talk about Sonic all the time, and this time we're really talking about Sonic. My name is Mitt, and I'm here with my co-host, Crab. Hi, I'm Crab. You can find me on Twitter at Crappy Blue, as always. You can find me on Twitter also, as always, as Mitsumi Mario, twitter.com slash Mitsumi Mario, that is. Uh, this week, we have decided to <laughs> dial back from... Uh, from talking about specific games and we're just going to talk about what's going on because there's a lot of things and there's a lot of nothing going on it's a really weird situation we are in at the relative start of this new year it's 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 strange they've been pushing since the end of last year how this year is going to be the year of sonic because it's his 30th anniversary soon in june that's a fun rhyme i didn't mean to happen true and like that's that's a big number that matters, I guess. Um, come to think of it, how did how did Nintendo handle Mario's thirtieth? That was kind of like that was also kind of a bust, right? Because wasn't that the uh, wasn't that the Mario All Stars on Wii anniversary? No, that okay. was uh, the twenty fifth. Uh, okay. The thirtieth was actually pretty good. That was Mario Maker. Never mind. Yes, you're right. It was the twenty fifth and the thirty fifth that were. Mm. Yeah, exactly. We're living in the thirty fifth still really hoping to see something of interest from from sega and sonic team this year they haven't shown anything off yet outside of uh some admittedly cool idw stuff that's on its way lots of toys and figures that are still in production uh, little things here and there just today they announced a pretty cool figure on sega of europe exclusively yeah. but i want it yeah, today as of recording, anyway. Yeah. By the time this goes up, it probably would have been about a month ago, or a little less. Yeah, just about. Just Perhaps. about. It looks great. Um, for anyone who has not seen it yet, uh, at, the, at the time this has gone up, it's, it's this lovely little diorama, a very small diorama of uh, Eggman in the Eggmobile do, with the Green Hill Wrecking Ball, um, and Sonic just running. It's neat. Mm-hmm. it's just well detailed it looks great yeah it's it's a cool it's a cool little budget kind of figurine compared to a lot of the other sonic stuff i think that's also the older design of the eggmobile that's interesting to see in media after some of the creative stuff we've done on our end recently <laughs> right but like there just hasn't been too much that like i said like Mitt said that basically just happened today for us at the time of recording and yeah. that's the most eventful thing that's happened recently, again, outside of IDW announcements. Yeah, that is to say, there there have definitely been some crazy things happening in the world of Sonic. Um, following the announcement that they are making a second Sonic movie, which I am pretty excited for, right. uh, a bunch of voice actors for Sonic just kind of started <laughs> dropping. Dropping like flies. Yeah, so as of... Now, going forward, um, Roger Craig Smith, who has been voicing Sonic for a little over 10 years now, is not voicing Sonic anymore. So 
for newer Sonic fans, um, this will probably be a shock to you, or at least a, right. a new feeling for anyone who's been around here for a while. You've been here before. <laughs> this isn't anything new. Yeah, I mean, in the games, this is Sonic's third voice. As a whole, it's like his sixth. Um, yeah, he's up there. Yeah, I think sixth voice. Uh, and it's it's seeing Sonic voices come and go is just the norm at this point. It uh, it's just that Roger Craig Smith has been the longest running uh, by a mile. Yeah. Jason Griffith only had the had the role for seven years, if you count uh, the start of Sonic Sonic X. Yeah, I would count that. Yeah, I would too. Uh, additionally, Cindy Robinson, the voice of the current voice of Amy, uh, also confirmed dropped. Uh, she, along with Roger Craig Smith, Kirk Thornton, um, oh, who was the other one? There was one other that I'm blanking on. Um, aside from uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. No, because uh, Kate Higgins was there for a bit, right? Um, I was going to say that uh, those three and someone else. Oh, I can't remember her name, but Rouge's voice actor. Um, mm, yeah. Have all been doing their roles since 2010. So it's two of the longest running voice actors for the series uh, dropping out at the same time. Um, yeah. Gonna check the wording on this really quick from Cindy, Rob from Cindy Robinson on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she confirmed that she wasn't going to be doing the role anymore. Yeah, she has said, I'm loading out with my brilliant comp uh, compadres. Um, mm. And not much else. We know for a fact, because Roger spelled it out, that he chose to leave the role. He was not dropped. Yeah. And it sounds like that might be the case with Cindy as well. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it makes me think, because like, if they're all leaving... At the same time, it makes you wonder if something's going on. Like, I know, Roger right? retiring from the role does make sense on an individual level, but mm. I, I feel like it would be strange that all these other actors are kind of going away, because even, um, yeah, even Colleen O'Shaughnessy, who is sticking around in some capacity, mm -hmm. um, is not voicing Tails in the new show. Right, we don't so, know anything about the show's voice cast yet. That is another yeah. thing that's... I guess new and relevant, uh, even though we haven't heard anything since its announcement. There's going to be a Netflix Sonic cartoon called Sonic Prime, produced by the um, uh, was it Mega Man Fully Charged? Is that the name of it? The Mega Man Fully Charged guys. I think so. It's Wild Brain, right? Uh, Man of Tomorrow, right? Oh, is it? Let me look. Okay, that's what I remember. Uh, da -da -da -da. Sega and Wild Brain. So yeah, it's Wild. Brain. Never mind. Don't know why I thought it was May of Tomorrow. I must have misheard something somewhere. Hmm. This episode will be dated in, or it may be dated in the time between recording and when it goes up, depending on how much information comes up. Because super possible, we're, we're pretty much due for a new game anytime now. And as soon as that happens, and we know the voice cats, that that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's also nice to like sit down and and talk about all of it. Uh, yeah. just for our own benefit because there's a surprising amount to keep track of in terms of what's happened something I wanted to mention was that like there's it seemed like there was going to be a big voice cast changeover but now there's like no guarantee at all not just because Colleen O'Shaughnessy has confirmed that she's still doing stuff with Tails right now but because um, Mike Pollock got Mike Pollock re-auditioned for the role of Eggman and got it so yeah. 
in theory, if they're not intentionally dropping other voice actors, some of them might stay, or if they are intentionally dropping everyone, some of them might re-audition and keep the role anyway. Right. So, who's to say? But I'm really curious what they're going to do for Sonic in specific going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had something I wanted to say and I don't remember it. Um, Did it have to do with Ben Schwartz? No, not really. I, I guess it's just like... It's it's definitely going to be weird where we're at. Um, oh, I mm. remember. Um, the voice actors have to re-audition every game. I think we've we've heard Wait, from really? past accounts. Yeah, I, I believe so. Is that huh. they they re-audition for for every game, and that's how um, that's how you get situations like um, Ryan Drummond, where back in the Generations days he auditioned along with everyone else, and Sega was like, "Yeah, we want you." And they were very sure that they were going to do that. There's some Sonic Generations um, promotional material of the day right. that straight up uses Drummond's voice clips. Um, not new ones, granted, but, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, they didn't end up going through with him because they didn't want to deal with his union, which is miserable of them. But Of course. That's, that's been a long-running problem. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um. I wonder if that's also how we got Dave B. Mitchell doing Knuckles as of um, Team Sonic Racing in the most recent Olympics Games game. Mm -hmm, maybe. Because Travis Willingham seemed pretty cemented in the role for a long time, especially since he was doing Knuckles for the, for uh, Sonic Boom. Yeah. Like, I, I, the, I'm just going to regurgitate a thought that I had when, when we were <laughs> in warm-up on our own, just kind of going through the, the voice cast to kind of refresh ourselves. I I really like when, when Knuckles has a voice that feels like adjacent to Sonic. Like, it's neat that um, when they make him a little more uh, gravelly and kind of hard edge, but mm -hmm. I do also like when he has a closer parallel to Sonic in terms of how he sounds. Yeah. So It's funny you say that. I, I agree, and I think that's part of why I really like Scott Dreyer's performance in Heroes specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think that's part of why I like Travis Willingham and boom, not so much in the games around it, especially not like forces or lost world, but in boom specifically, he bounces off of Roger Craig Smith's performance really well. Mm -hmm. Huh? Hadn't really thought about it there. There does. There being some amount of, uh, synergy between Sonic's voice and Knuckles voice does add a lot to Knuckles. Yeah, for sure. I like uh, that when Travis Willingham was doing Knuckles for the Boom cartoon in specific, he, he kind of like tailored his performance to, to lean a little more Patrick Warburton. Oh, yeah. I think that was a, a good choice. Yeah, Not just because it, it fits the character angle, but it's just also it's more fun than what he was doing for the games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mentioned Ben Schwartz briefly earlier, and that's just because a lot of people were speculating on whether or not he would be approached to to do any other Sonic voices outside of the movie. And he has not, um, at least yeah. as of this article I'm pulling up from February 9th of this year. Yeah. There so is also, um, we have an account from, I think, Ryan Drummond, if not just straight from his uh, his agent, that they did reach out to Sega to try and um, 
to try and see if he can be on to to do the role of Sonic again because mm-hmm. we all know he really wants to do it. Right. Um, I would be excited for that. I am surprised by the amount of people who would not be. I guess I'm on a different page from everyone else now. <laughs> um, I get the feeling a lot of people just aren't keyed into how he does the role anymore. They're like... Mm-hmm assume either it would sound the same as how it used to be uh and if they had any grievances with it then or like they assume he's outgrown the ability to do the voice and he sure hasn't everyone who anyone who's questioning that should go to um it's either emu emmy or emu emmy i'm never sure uh on youtube and listen to uh, an episode or two of sonic and tales are the um the audio only show that Emmy is producing on there with a bunch of past Sonic voice actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Sonic in those episodes in that show, and he still sounds pretty good. There are some times he sounds like a little mellower in a way that I'm not sure I like as much, but whenever he brings the energy, it's really there. So I think with the right direction, he would sound completely fine. Yeah, exactly. I think it's mostly just a difference in uh, voice direction which i also think is is something that not a lot of people take into account is how um uh, much a different voice direction can change how a voice is heard like mm-hmm. i have no doubt he could still do it it's not like he was like 16 then and he's 40 now <laughs> that's that's not really how you lose the ability to to do the voice he, i'm sure he's fine um because even then, like you could really hear the differences in the the inflection of his voice between like something like Sonic Adventure Two, Sonic Adventure, Sonic Heroes. They're all completely different approaches to the same voice. Totally, and I think that's that's why people get kind of tripped up over it. Right, right. I mean, um, I've heard a lot of criticism of how Scott Dreyer sounds kind of flat as Knuckles in Sonic Adventure Two, and that was his first time doing the role. Mm-hmm. That's why I always mention Heroes, because he sounds way more laid back and conversational in that game, a, yeah. little, a little more boastful. Um, it's unfortunate that it's paired with being the first game where Knuckles has zero attachment to his his place in the world. Yeah, and it's just one of Sonic's buddies. But we've, we've talked about that before. Um, it doesn't really hamper the performance, in my opinion. It's still it's still a standout thing. Yeah. I do like um scott dreyer's performance in sonic heroes i like both performances in heroes and adventure 2 i think they're they're just two approaches that i both see the value in and like i like that he's kind of uh quiet and he kind of mutters to himself a little bit yeah. in Sonic adventure 2 yeah um but i do also like i like his shouty voice in heroes more than i like all of the other characters because it feels like you said it feels a little more boastful and it sounds more like he's having fun than like right sonic or tails who were just screaming the whole way through (laughs) true for a lot of other characters in that too yeah it's also something i like to contrast with knuckles portrayal following heroes from other voice actors i no uh, hmm. i don't mean to say anything unnecessarily bad about dan green or anything he's a fine voice actor but i definitely feel like uh his direction and voice direction for for knuckles once he joined the voice cast specifically or once the once he joined joined the game's voice cast specifically really impacted knuckles portrayal for the negative going forward Mm. 
just because it felt like from that point onward, Knuckles was mostly defined by being loud and gravelly. Yeah. Uh, and angry. And like, Travis Willingham was able to kind of dial that down a bit over time, especially going into Boom. Um, but then that kind of transitioned to Knuckles being noticeably dumb. And then that's how Dave B. Mitchell sounds in Team, uh, Team Sonic Racing. Yeah. I have a note here that uh, Dave B. Mitchell's Knuckles is a little too um, Mega's XLR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, I hope that means anything, because <laughs> I don't really know how else to put it. Uh, it just sounds really, like, bro-y. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. Something, like, deeper and looser in a way that I don't really care for. Dave B. Mitchell did voice Herbert P. Bear in Club Penguin. We, miss you, we, wish, we wish you a Merry Walrus in 2014, so... This has to mean something. Yeah, he also voiced the judge in Ace Attorney Dual Destinies, so that's crazy. That is crazy, huh? Oh, uh, he voiced a commercial guy in the Lorax. I'm just going on the list right now. <laughs> oh my god, he's three different characters in Boom Blocks? What's Boom Blocks? Do you know? Oh my god. We're... Whew. This is... It, Going into boom blocks is probably going to be one of the most crazy derails we will ever have on the show. <laughs> uh, boom blocks is a weird Wii game. Um, I, I think Steven Spielberg had some hand in its production. Really? Yeah, where you just throw blocks at like a big formation of blocks to break a specific amount of them. I used to have it. I don't remember the specifics. Um there was like a level editor where you could make your own stuff out of the blocks. So if you wanted to make a big pixel Mario and then throw a sheep at it and make it explode, you could do that. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll, I'll worry about getting boom blocks and making a, a Sonic one Sonic in there some other time. Well, that would be impressive. Put that on the back burner. Yeah. Enough of, uh, my Knuckles voice actor opinions. I have more of them than I have Sonic voice actor opinions, and I don't know when that happened. Just happened one day. It just happened one day. It was like a mutation. I got bit by a radioactive knuckle. Ooh. Uh, I have other thoughts before we jump off of voice actors, because other things are going on. Um, yeah. But, like, I'm glad that Colleen O'Shaughnessy is staying in the role for Tails to some degree because yeah. she's probably the best voice actor yet outside of like uh outside of like the kid voice actors they had for the Sonic cartoons, the Deke ones back in the day that were like surprisingly good. Yeah. I do miss the days of Tails being portrayed in the writing as well as the voice direction as like just just a nice little kid, yeah. just someone who's fun to be friends with, tags along, um, and that's when I think uh, kids they had on who were surprisingly decent actors for their ages also were were doing great, and it was it was fun and charming. But if you if you're bringing on adult women to do a voice for voice for tales, I like Colleen O'Shaughnessy the best so far. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's interesting in that respect. Um, the the Sonic Boom 
voice direction kind of lines up with my personal philosophy that like a lot of media benefits from having um tv show voice direction because Mm. like when when you are under that kind of roof um you will definitely get a much better standard of quality than basically any video game especially ones that are not made in um english English speaking territories which sonic has had a history of um voice direction being dictated by people who are not native english speakers so yeah that plays a part of it it's it's Um, weird that that didn't change when ken pontak and warren graff were the the writers for the games yeah that's true i actually do kind of wonder where in the world you know sonic writing kind of is mostly done because mm-hmm. um i don't think they really do like the bulk of the story work i think uh like the scenario stuff i right. think maybe only one time they've done that and i don't remember which game it was um it was either lost world or forces um but for the most part they just do uh yeah like revisional script writing stuff like that mm-hmm. so if i had to guess it was probably lost world just because that game involved a lot of that game's plot involved a lot of ham-fisted drama that was, like, out of character for the ways that Sonic was being written before and after. Yeah. Man, they really didn't know that much about the characters. <laughs> uh, it, everyone, everyone rags on that, which is fair, because it's true. Yeah, I feel like someone could come along with absolutely no background of uh, in in Sonic in terms of watching or playing anything related to Sonic and write a good Sonic story. Yeah, but I really wish they'd known anything because it really shows that they didn't. Uh, yeah, like yeah, like you said, I, I'm not the kind of person who thinks that anyone who has never touched a franchise can come in and then just do a bad job but like they're there and they did not set a very good example and like the whole time that they were there the comics were getting really good oh yeah <laughs> uh, the comics had uh, gotten so much momentum yeah like even if you don't necessarily like the the storytelling necessarily um the quality of writing in the comics went up tremendously during that time and that's mostly attributed to Ian Flynn. Right. You know, he's still there now, and they could they could bring him on at any point, still. Yeah. Have they have they not gotten him on to do anything game related at all whatsoever? Never. Hmm. For what it's I... worth, it's more likely than ever because I can't remember the exact source for this, and I definitely don't have it in front of me. But I, I knew um, either reading it on Twitter or on Sonic Retro at some point in the last few months that uh, their Sonic team is undergoing a massive shift to having most of its uh, Sonic the Hedgehog related development happen in the US again. Yeah. So like, there's always a chance. It's, it's more likely than ever that they could um, feel inclined, maybe with new direction uh, at the helm of Sonic projects feel more inclined to bring on people like Ian Flynn, who have ties to the franchise, are working under Sega's umbrella to some degree right now. Yeah. And 
uh, have demonstrated a huge attachment to like every little detail that that allows them to to craft new and interesting things from things that have already been established. Mm-hmm. It could happen. I hope so. I I hope so too. Even as someone who's like not super attached to the comics, just because I have trust something interesting would come out of it. Yeah. Way more interesting than than anything Pontac and Graf were were ready to put out again. Yeah, I. It's it's weird what I think would be like a, a good next step for Sonic, because I don't really know. I don't really know <laughs> what they should do. I'd like th- there's not a, a one catch all solution. Um, totally. It, it's more like what they do next will set a precedent for what their goal is with the franchise going forward mm-hmm. and i guess whatever that will be will be very telling because like even if they got ian flynn on i don't know what direction per se i would want them to go into in terms of the the tone of the writing i mean luckily ian is good at doing like different levels of intensity with his writing yeah I think he could bring something lighthearted should they want that, or should he want that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Thinking about it myself, I'm also not sure what I want out of the plot for another Sonic game or the, the tone. Yeah. I think I just want something that feels earnest. Same. Yeah, I was starting to dig dig my way toward that. Like, if if we could lean back into the thing we just spent uh, so much time talking about, I think the the thing that really sticks out about Sonic Adventure 2's story, despite its flaws, is how earnest it is. And mm-hmm. I think you could kind of see that also with uh, Sonic Adventure, but that feels a little more bogged down because of the um, the voice direction and the animations. With with Sonic Adventure, you can definitely feel the amb- or Sonic Adventure 2, you could definitely feel the ambition and what they're going for, and that did kind of carry over a little more through that era. Um, even with Sonic Heroes, you could definitely feel that there was some sense of earnestness to it, even though I don't think that degree of lightheartedness is, like, productive or fitting. <laughs> right. At least it wasn't productive for what they'd already set up. Yeah, it's it's weird because Sonic Heroes was supposed to be, like, a, a big return to form thematically, and it's like, oh, it's all it's bright and colorful like the classic games, but like it really doesn't feel like that, I don't think. Yeah. This is a strange thought, or at least it seems strange that I'm thinking about this. I never thought about it before. I really wish that Sonic Team had stuck with their guns uh any time that like they had ended up making a return to form, you know? Yeah. I wish they just kind of kept forward with um the energy and ideas they were already bringing yeah it sucks because like of course the thing that a corporation is going to have a development team like that do is respond to uh feedback and criticism heavily from from the public and from magazines and like reviews and that's what gets them into a situation where they're like okay we really need to uh uh, f- go back to the drawing board and figure out what makes people like Sonic for this next game. Yeah. Instead of doing whatever they may have found interesting or uh, enjoyable or motivating from their previous project. Yeah. 
the the thing that I'm now thinking about is like part of of the response from every Sonic game that causes them to kind of overcorrect sometimes is like it feels very unfocused mm. with with what everyone wants because you get fans who each want completely different things because there's so many different styles of, of Sonic just in terms of gameplay and even tone of writing. And then you have, like, I guess, more mainstream media outlets who, like, they're not going to like much um, with the Sonic franchise because of just the way that it's talked about generally. Mm-hmm. You're it's not going to. Yeah, you're not going to be scoring a lot of points with them, which makes me wonder if, if they should just kind of, I guess, play to the crowd. And because obviously Sonic is going to lean is going to work best in some sort of score attack related environment, I mm. would say, because that's, that's kind of what complements his gameplay best. And those kind of games don't sell for $60 anymore. And this is like a whole other kind of industry discussion. And uh. um, even just considering this is in and of itself, I think contentious because I, I don't think games like this should be seen as lesser regardless, but there's also the factor that games shouldn't be $60 to begin with. Um, if if the... Sonic games are going to be really replayable and not super long on their own uh, and be very score attack heavy, maybe they should just, you know, buckle a little bit and then make them like $30 games. Mm-hmm. I think that would Forces be Forces was 40 It was, yeah, you're right. I th- mm. <laughs> Forces was a weird case. I think even then they should kind of dial back yeah the the scope which is a weird thing to say after i just talk about really respecting the ambition but (laughs) with with forces it definitely doesn't feel like they're they're really shooting for anything so i think that's a separate situation at least right Um, because like i don't know if the force if the ambition and forces is comparable to the kind of ambition you can feel from previous games it's yeah it's definitely a game that has a bunch of different things it wants to be and isn't sure how much it wants to be any of them. Yeah, exactly. Compared it's... to like SA2, where it definitely wants to be a lot of things and it's trying its darndest to do all things. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, I think, the thesis statement for that whole era of Sonic. You could, you could say that honestly about every single Sonic game that released between like 2001 and 2008. I would say that. Yeah, I would say that. I would include Sonic 06 in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. The only reason Sonic 06 doesn't come off that way to to people is because it's a buggy, unfinished mess of a game because it didn't have the development time it needed. Yeah, exactly. But like, even without that, you can definitely tell that they were really kind of firing off on all cylinders with making this big, crazy, huge game. Mm-hmm. They just that it was just the farthest they had ever come thus far to achieving that hmm and that kind of brings us back to just hoping that the next sonic game is interesting beyond yeah. anything else that was one of my issues with forces when it was not just not just when it was announced but even when it came out even when i saw like first gameplay trailer it was just like this isn't taking me this isn't pulling me in yeah. that much and when it came out, it still didn't. I played it all the way through with with um, a couple of friends, one of whom is also a massive Sonic fan. 
and we were all just really underwhelmed by it. Yeah. It wasn't even that bad. It was just underwhelming. Yeah, that's that's definitely the thing about Sonic Forces is that like it's it's certainly not bad by any means, but it 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 commits the worst crime a Sonic game can commit, which is that it's just boring. Yeah. Normally that's reserved for spin-offs. Yeah. Hmm. I would like to see a 3D Sonic equivalent to to a kind of project like Mania. Not necessarily like, oh, it's a it's a big throwback where we go right. to all the old levels. Just like something with that sort of scope that is very manageable and feels like there's some degree of passion put into it. And I yeah, think that's we're part good of good on throwbacks right now. Yeah, because like with with Mania, the Mania being announced alongside Forces is certainly interesting because in a vacuum, <laughs> um, announcing Mania alongside kind of a more serious-oriented Sonic game using modern aesthetic um, is a smart play. It's just that a lot of the other executive decisions they made with Forces bogged down that idea ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for one, if they didn't have classic Sonic and they just focused on Sonic and the Avatar, they would probably help tremendously right off the bat. But that's just harder to do. Like, part of the appeal of Sonic Mania is the people working on it, but also just the fact that it's so much easier to produce a classic-style 2D Sonic just at a moment's notice. Yeah. So I don't, I really don't know what they would do with 3D Sonic. I guess, like, it, if if they can make smaller, more traditional 3D platforming levels, like in the adventure games, then they probably should be capable of making something of that scope without kind of blowing over the budget. Because right. with the boost games, you are always covering tremendously more ground. But I don't know for sure. That's not my... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see something of a scaled-back experience like that, pulling from the level design and, and scope of even just one story in the adventure yeah. games. would be kind of nice. Um, I don't... I was, th- I was thinking back to um, Shay May's Sonic Spitball series on YouTube, and while I don't think I want the specific game that he was pitching, I just I like that what he was pitching was something that was very simple in scope and uh, straightforward and setup, straightforward in pacing and structure, just so they can theoretically focus on making the game control fun mm-hmm. and making level design um, not reactive, not literally reactive, but make level design that feels reactive to your play in that like in the same way the the original genesis games have level design that's reactive to your play if you know what i mean yeah like you'll do something and you'll get you'll get to a place um (laughs) that that was super fake (laughs) you'll uh you'll make a choice in how you're traversing the level and it'll put you somewhere that informs you of either how levels are structured or what you can stand to gain from playing in a certain way, uh, making decisions like jumping at this point. And that's the sort of thing that I feel like the 3D games have been missing for a long time because even though you kind of get that to some degree out of, uh, out of the boost games, they're way more fast-paced than like what I'm picturing in my head, which is... Yeah you have like the ability to 
to stop and take these things in and process and understand the level from that angle. Mm-hmm. I guess you can do that in the boost games too. It's just not very satisfying. Uh, do you hmm. do you think having like a more open world Sonic where it is just one main big area might be easier? Because I genuinely don't know. It would have to be a very big mm-hmm. all-encompassing area. And that's the thing is that it would have to be really, really, really big. And I don't know if that's less <laughs> work than having a bunch of individual levels. I figure it is more work, but. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see that. And, like, fan games have been trying that for a while, and none of them have gelled with me. Mm-hmm. But part of the issue there is that uh, a lot of 3D Sonic fan games are big, not in the sense that there's a lot of land to traverse, but in the sense that Sonic feels super small. A lot of them have yeah. not struck the balance yet of proportion. Yeah. I think that might also... It's a consequence of the controls and of... um. Yeah, the the controls and just 3D platforming in general. Um, that's, that's that's kind of fair. Yeah, it's it's tough to work around, but it would probably help by having you know smaller textures, more mm. little detail to kind of spruce up the place. True, true. Um, I wonder how doable it would be to like make a 3D Sonic game with really oh, with really tight like air control, mm-hmm. um, so that you could do platforming. And then also not making it the fastest it could theoretically be. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think back to Sonic Adventure 1 and like you, you kind of your top speed as Sonic in that game, uh, at least without like going down a slope or hitting a speed booster, I think is slower than your top running speed in Sonic Adventure 2. But it still yeah. feels fine. Yeah, doesn't, I was going to say you're like basically you're describing Sonic Adventure 1. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. So, like, if they could just make him play like that again, I think there's a lot of potential still for, for like, fine control that allows for expansive and platforming-heavy without being uh, intimidating Yeah. kind of level design. Hmm. Or, like, intimidating or inaccessible. I, I would be down if they could, for, for some reason, I think it has to do with the fact that his jumps are kind of floaty. Mm. Sonic in Sonic Adventure 1 feels like, a, he feels like styrofoam to me. <laughs> like, that's the first thing that came to mind. He he feels a little more solid um, in Adventure 2, which I think I prefer a little bit more. But just the way that you kind of coast through things in Adventure 1, definitely, he, he feels like a little styrofoam guy. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I like that. I like that description. I, I do think that's... Uh... I do think that's an assessment that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would need to tighten up the the feel. <laughs> I have no idea how to put that better, but like take the way that Sonic feels in Sonic Adventure 1, and I'm not sure if making him less floaty specifically is the right answer, but like just bar none, play around with him a bunch play around with the way that sonic moves in sonic adventure one tweak the tweak uh variables tweak um aspects to uh how much you can tweak his his motion um in play i mean i use tweak in two different ways there um in the same way that when they were making super mario 64 they spent a bunch of time trying to make mario's control responsive and natural yeah 
I definitely think you can get a lot of mileage with not making Sonic's ground movement necessarily fast, but giving him very fluid and intuitive parkour mechanics that would definitely help him feel like he's moving through a lot of area Mm -hmm. quickly, or at least efficiently. I think that's more important than necessarily moving directly faster. Yeah. Um, And I think that's something that Sonic is definitely missing. I agree. I really like to see them figure out a way to make Sonic run through areas without being impeded by anything should you control him just the right way and like yeah. give the player the tools to do that which would be stuff like parkour mechanics that but parkour 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 mechanics that work that aren't the ones in in lost world yeah lost worlds are so strange because like they have the right idea they're just way too restrictive like yeah. they're they feel too automated. Like, I'm sure good parkour mechanics would be more automated than they are in Lost World, but they feel, like, considerably more stilted and automated in right. Lost World than they do in something like Spider-Man, which is, yeah. like, that's the whole thing you're doing, is running up up walls and all around, and it feels good. Right, because it's more of a degree of, like, actually making it feel not automated. It's more of the game programming and how... um how the player feels controlling it rather than the realities of how it's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I just want a 3D Sonic game to, like, feel smooth. Yeah. They've been rigid for a while. Yeah. I'm very interested in seeing Sonic get... It's weird. I'm very mixed on it. I'm curious to see Sonic get, like, a good identity for himself in 3D. But... At the same time, I do prefer kind of changing things up and progressing. Mm-hmm. I guess the the thing about 3D Sonic so far is that it's been a lot of side grades. We only have straight upgrades in very iterative senses, like big subjective alert. But you could say that Sonic Adventure 2 is an upgrade from Sonic Adventure 1. Right. But you're not going to say that about Heroes 2 Adventure 2. That's a different kind of gameplay you're not going to say that the boost is a direct upgrade from from those kinds of games and so on and so forth they're all different they're all side grades to each other i i would like to see them establish like a good central idea and like set of mechanics for 3d sonic and then iterate on that um you know in in an interesting way going forward yeah yeah because it doesn't even Mm. it doesn't even have to be this sort of thing where like they stick with it forever because that's not one that's not realistic we expect iteration every time we get a new game period Mm -hmm. Uh, and consumer bases get tired of the same thing even when it is iterated on Um, what I want is for them to do something and and, uh, iron out the kinks in it um, which they've done uh, going from Unleashed to Colors to Generations. They yeah. can do that again uh, with something new that also works. Yeah. And and the reason that, like, that's such a, a desired thing right now is because they've gone through so many games, like you said, that are side grades to attempts at Sonic in 3D uh, instead <laughs> of like full-on next iterative, iterative step. Figuring out what works, tossing out the rest, and uh, and moving on. Does make me think about Mario, though. Yeah, because that's just what Mario's done forever. Yeah, like, 
when when you do break i know i've said in the past that it doesn't really feel like 3d mario doesn't super innovate and i still kind of feel that way Hmm. um when you break them down into the the two kind of core i guess ideas that like the same way nintendo has where the sandbox and linear um you can kind of see um kind of that tunnel vision that that feels meaner than i mean it but like (laughs) that you know the the innovation that that is basically just exclusive to 3d mario with that respective goal like when it comes to linear mario you can see how they start drifting more towards uh just like raw platforming from level to level and even though that is basically as it feels very close to the 2d games that is still like them reaching that point they're they're still walking towards that it's still progressing um it feels a little more of a productive and innovative thought process and conversation when you're looking at the sandbox marios mm-hmm. because those games were always by design to they were designed day one for 3d gameplay so you can see how something like odyssey iterates on a kind of galaxy but also like sunshine and 64 especially to make that work in a more modern capacity with totally more intuitive controls and that's the sort of focus that it feels like they're not interested in keeping. Well, yeah. Maybe not right now. It's hard to say where they're at right now. Uh, Sonic Team is a development studio. But for a while, they were really ready to drop uh, the progress they'd made. And... I don't know. How do I put it? Lost World was such a, such a strange jump. But to this day, I still don't really understand what they were going for. Coming off the heels sort of coming off the heels of generations going into lost world like structurally because mm-hmm. it doesn't it feels like they really scrapped everything that they were doing with sonic in 3d like sure they kept the homing attack sure it's it's to some degree the same sonic model sure it's a lot of um uh design inspiration from uh, a design inspiration iteration visually on how they'd been doing Sonic levels in the games prior. Uh, but like controls wise and level design wise and game structure wise, it was so distanced from any of the previous Sonic games in 3D. And that's mm-hmm. true of a lot of games in the like. 2000s era for Sonic where they were super unfocused. Hmm. I guess not in the same way, but you kind of see what I mean, right? Like I I th- I jumped to like Shadow the Hedgehog, which was this really obvious structural experiment for the team. Um yeah. even though the three previous Sonic games had all had the pre- three the three previous mainline Sonic games anyway, it all had different uh, main storyline structures where Sonic Adventure was completely separated into different intersecting storylines. Sonic Adventure 2 had the two running parallel storylines, but they were both uh, linear level to cutscene to level to level to cutscene to level to cutscene. Um, and Sonic Adventure had the hub worlds, and then Sonic Heroes was uh, the exact same game four times with minor changes, uh, which is just level to cutscene to level to cutscene to level to cutscene. And then Shadow the Hedgehog was this choose-your-own-adventure thing. A yeah. really clear experimental thing. 
but at least Shadow the Hedgehog kept the game control uh, from Heroes and tightened it up. Uh, where Lost World is just this complete starting over. Yeah, definitely. I... Hmm. I guess in that respect, they just kind of got tired of the boost. Like, they, they felt like they had just done everything they could and wanted to move forward with something, but yeah, Sonic Lost World isn't really a progression of anything. It's just like the the comparisons to Mario are apt with mm-hmm. that game. Yeah, I got really rambly there, but the point I really wanted to make was that even though there's a comparison to be made between some of the strange design and structural decisions of games uh, for Sonic in the in the aughts to Lost World in specific, uh, at least at least there were through lines. Uh, each time the game mm. control from adventure one to adventure two the um the overall level progression in terms of uh gameplay from adventure two to heroes where it's level to cutscene to level to cutscene just uh non-stop and you you choose when you want to break and then the game control from heroes heroes to shadow and then the tone to some degree from shadow to 06 yeah um and it's like Lost World barely has any through line except for the writing. Mm. Fun segue for y'all. Uh, Ken Pontak and Warren Graff, the writers for Sonic, starting. Um, uh, did they start with free writers? No, no, no. I have to check that. Hold on. Let me double check before I make a statement like that. I know they um they for sure uh were the writers from Colors Onward. Okay, yeah. Uh, starting with Sonic Colors, they wrote. They did the writing, um, at the very least, dialogue writing, maybe scenario writing, or maybe collaborated with other people on staff for scenario writing for Colors, Generations, Lost World Forces, and Team Sonic Racing. Um, mm-hmm. That was their their final work for the franchise. They also did uh, writing for the 3DS Sonic Boom games and exactly one episode of the Sonic Boom TV show. Mm. They were dropped uh, this year, I believe, very early this year. And I don't know, it's a little mean, but good riddance. <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of we've we've voiced that kind of feeling about it earlier when we touched upon it. Yeah. It was just um, when it wasn't flat, the writing was hokey. Yeah. Or forced. None of the characters really came off genuine was a big problem I have with the writing from Colors Onward. There were um there were moments in Forces, I will say, where Sonic had some nice lines that made it actually feel like he was for real toying with other characters. Yeah. Which was fun. But all the other time when Sonic was making witty one-liners and like Colors and Generations and Lost World, it was very like bad yeah <laughs> it wasn't good it, it, it was not it was not that great they uh, they uh, i don't even know how to put it because so many people compare it to like oh it's a saturday morning cartoon yeah if you're uh, watching a bad one if you're watching a bad one yeah if you're watching one of the really mediocre ones that were uh pushed through the pipeline as fast as they could in the in the 80s and 90s to try to sell you toys yeah 
um, come get the the new Sonic figure in Toys R Us, uh, where when you squeeze him, he uh, talks about how he's going to give you the best boss beating ever. Mm. Like, yeah, that's a, a line. That's, that's, that's a catchphrase for sure. Yes, right? He just says four words and then says uh, initialism. Yeah. Sorry, other way around. He, he gives the initialism and then says what it is afterward. It keeps, keeps you in the dark for a moment. Oh, it just wasn't Sonic. interesting. Yeah. You can't forget about... Actually, did they try bringing back Baldy Nose Hair? Baldy McNose Hair? Like, he said it once, and I think he said it in another game, and they tried to make it a thing. Yeah. Or am I misremembering? I, I think you're right. I, now I need to find out. Oh, does he say it in Sonic Boom? That's also what I found. He does say it in Boom. What The, the video that I know we're both watching is so strange, because, like, the, the render quality in the footage looks terrible. It looks like it's not final lighting. Good God. It's, that's so strange that that's even in Sonic Boom. I feel like Sonic Boom is too, like, nihilistic or pessimistic about itself to even make jokes like that. I know, right? Uh, I have to wonder if this was clipped from the one episode that Pontac and Graf wrote. Mm. Like, I don't know. It it could be. That would I... be poetic. Yeah. Uh, it looks like, yeah, he says it once in Lost World also. Okay. Wow. Okay. So three times, three times total. Mm-hmm. I guess four, because I think they, I think they set up Baldy Nose Hair and Colors in order to, in order to uh, pay it off later with Sonic bringing the name back. Yeah. Something like that. They really tried to push it. It's so funny. They didn't know what made for charming dialogue, I don't think. Yeah. I I wonder if like <clears throat> they got really hooked on like the stereotype of Sonic, like, oh he's this this hip nineties mm. uh, cool dude. So he's gotta have all these cool catchphrases that sound equally as annoying, even though that's never really been the case. Right. You know, I don't know all that Pontac and Graf have done, but, like, I feel like it's telling that when they were brought on for uh, for Sonic Colors, the big thing everyone knew them for was Happy Tree Friends. Mm-hmm. I think they also did writing for Mad World, but I never played that. It was a, a hyper-violent Sega published, I think Sega developed, uh, Wii game. Just mm-hmm. don't really know anything about it. But, like, Happy Tree Friends... Yeah, it's something, all right. I think well, we've got some high hopes for where Sonic can be soon. Yeah, I. It, it feels a little bad that, that a lot of this episode was kind of a downer about it. Like, we were just kind of airing right. the dirty laundry with some of the stuff. I, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of kind of neutral things to talk about with, yeah. with Sonic in general. I do... I have high hopes. I think I think mm-hmm. all of all of the shifting of shifting around of things is is a good thing. Um, I'm very excited to see where they go going forward. And regardless, I think um, they're in a very good spot right now, especially with the movie. The movie is doing them a lot of good because, like, even if the movie wasn't super Sonic like, I could 
I feel very confident in saying that the sequel will be. Yeah. So, I hope also. Yeah. I think also that uh, it's kind of telling that we have a lot of dirty, uh, dirty laundry to air about like where Sonic has been for a while because the fact that there are change-ups now means we're moving away from that and that yeah. has the high potential to be a really good thing. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it's a good time to like think about how you feel about where Sonic's been and see if you also feel like it can go up from here. Yeah, definitely. That's all I've got. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think that's a good spot to end things on. This was always meant to be a, a little bit of a breather episode. Yeah. Like always, you could find us on our main website and on Twitter. I'm going to do the website first. It's ltasonic.card, C-A-R-R-D.co, C-O. Uh, you can find us on Twitter also, like I said. That's twitter.com slash ltasonic. Uh, you can find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash ltasonic. Uh, the card has links to a whole bunch of other websites if you didn't like this one. <laughs> uh, I'm it. You can find me at twitter.com slash mitsumimario. I'm crap and you can find me on twitter.com slash crappyblue. And uh, we'll see you in the next zone. It'll be in the future, though. It'll be a future zone. A good future? I hope so. It could, it could, be, a, it could be a good future. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.